0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Hello, welcome back to Sermon Notes. Um, with Garland with you, we got Brian Pope, who will Hello. be teaching this week. Uh, excited to have you teach, Pope. Um, you always do a really good job, and I can't wait to hear uh, you teach this passage in particular, and Josh is with us producing, as always. Um, we're continuing our study through Paul's letter to the churches in Asia Minor um, that we call Ephesians, and uh As we continue this week, we'll be finishing up chapter two, um, and it's loaded. There's some really good stuff in here. So, Pope, kind of summarize for us, you know, what is this passage saying, what's it about, and kind of orient us to the passage. Yeah, and I don't think Garland was exaggerating when he said that
1: he's excited uh, about this passage coming up, because actually... He has come to me multiple times because I think he honestly wanted to really teach this passage. I really want to. And he's not the only pastor that has come to me. Uh, It is just a rich, rich chapter that I think you're you're seeing, and I do this in a lot of talks. Uh, I start off going to Genesis 12, uh, 1 through 3, Abrahamic covenant, because God, I believe there, is, is laying out his mission of what he wants to do uh, of revealing his glory and restoring relationships between all all people groups and and so we start off there but what's exciting is is as you go through the bible and as you get to the new testament and the gospel story and see christ and then pick it up in acts and see what paul begins to do and what unfolds in these epistles is you're seeing what he set out thousands of years before really starting to, to come true. And this set of verses just really begins the, you know, knocking down of these cultural barriers in order to see the gospel get to groups of people that really felt they were standing on the outside
0: of the gospel message. So it begins, uh, we're picking up in the very famous section, 2, 1 to 10, that people really love uh, to memorize, 2, 8, 9. It's famous. I mean, if you're a Protestant, you probably memorized that at some point, um, if you grew up in the church. And it concludes with verse 10. So we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that we might walk in them. And then right off that, we got a therefore. So the therefore is clearly going to be connecting us. And so as Paul begins to unpack what that Good. What those good works are. This is where he takes us, and he gives us. He starts addressing different groups in the audience, and as you're pointing out, he goes, "Remember, you Gentiles." Um, so, uh, summarize kind of what's what what he's going to say here in these uh, twelve verses.
1: Yeah, and what's what's interesting before I get before I get to that. Where Michael was teaching last week, the way that it began in chapter two, verses, verses one through like four, it, it almost follows the exact same pattern uh, that that Paul begins with the bad news. And, and it says, and you were dead in your trespasses of sins. And if you remember what Michael said, he goes, man, I'm not going to try to translate that for you. Dead means dead. So we were spiritually dead people. But when you get to verse uh, four, you get to the word but, and mm-hmm. but just changes everything. But God being rich in His mercy because of His great love with which He has loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. And so when you jump down to verse 11, it's almost the same thing. He begins with the bad news. He says, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles, in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision. And so in there you see quotes and... I, I kind of view this as, as Paul being almost like sarcastic. It's almost mm-hmm. like dripping with sarcasm. I, I would even say he's doing air, air quotes, quotes uh, yeah. there, just saying the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision. So he's, he's saying like there's these two different groups uh, of people. And then he lists out five different things of, of why they were mm-hmm. on the outside or, or felt like they were on the outside. And I'll go back to say, I don't think this is – what God intended, it's obvious, even in the Old Testament, this is not what God intended, but this is what uh, was kind of the practical outcome of uh, of what had happened, the division between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so he lists these five things where it's just like, oh, and it ends with having no hope and without God in the world. And that's what I really felt like the Gentiles were feeling um, there. But just like uh, I was talking about, what Michael talked about, we get that powerful word, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so if you wanted to sum up what this passage about, it, that's the key verse right
0: there, that, that because of what Jesus did, those who are far off are brought near. So if you are a Sermon Notes listener, you're leading a community group, if you're doing this in discipleship just, or just your own personal uh, study, those that might be some helpful Bible study tips for you there. So um, go ahead and, and underline the therefore in verse 11 and then circle or box or underline uh, that conjunction in verse 13. But now, and you may even draw an arrow up to verse four to remind yourself, hey, Paul is is doing a very similar pattern here, the bad news, then how that has all changed significantly in Christ. You could even go through and list those five descriptors there in verse 12. Um, then we get this long sequence, starting in verse 13, of all that has now changed because of what Jesus has accomplished. And it's loaded with imagery of former hostility, former division of two groups being put into one. If you're if you're taking notes on this, just circle um, one, how often the word one appears in verses 13 and following. And Paul really seems to think that because of what Jesus has done, actual peace, the real peace that all world leaders say that they're here to bring, and that the Caesars were saying they brought, that Jesus is the only means by which people can actually sit down and find peace. And that division that had formerly been a hallmark of Jew-Gentile relationships is now abolished in what Jesus has done. This is earth-shattering stuff for an ancient Gentile sitting in Ephesus and earth-shattering stuff for an ancient Jew sitting in Ephesus. I can imagine this being read in in one of these house churches and them going, this is really a big deal. Um, So,
1: okay. Yeah, and and I'm so glad that you brought that up because we're not just talking about peace between us and God. We're talking about peace between us and other people. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm even going to point out that Man, the hostility, I don't even think we understand the hospi- hostility, sorry, because stumbled up there. Hostility between the Jew and the Gentile. That I'm going to share a quote that there was so much hostility that if a Jew married a Gentile, that they would actually perform a funeral because they were just saying, that person is dead to us. Mm-hmm. There's a quote from the, the Greeks that said there, there's two classes of people. There's Greeks and there's barbarians. Uh, the Romans, they had nine different classes of people. Um, and if you were in the top class, the top two classes, you know, life was probably good Sweet. for you. yeah, if, this was great. <laughs> if you were in uh, seven other classes, like, life was just miserable. And, and so people were just separated into all these different groups. And, and it's a lot of what we see going on today. But Paul is saying, no, through the blood of Christ, those barriers have been brought down. And so that peace is not just peace between us and God. It's peace between us and other people, other cultures that are not like us. But because of, because of Christ and what He's done, we now have a new bond and we're part of a new mm-hmm. kingdom. We're part of a new family. We're part of a new household. And, and I always get so excited because the gospel, I think, does so much more than we give it credit for. We usually just think, oh, it's there to forgive us of our sins. No, it establishes the, this whole new family
0: for us and this kingdom that we get to be a part of. Mm-hmm. You can imagine in an honor-shame culture like the ancient Roman culture, um, if you were in one of those top two groups, it was a deep sense of shame to associate one of those lower groups. But they were, they were beneath you. You didn't invite them to your house. You didn't sit down with them to dinner because that would bring shame for you. Um, and here, you and it's helpful. This is why I like um, discussing this stuff in small groups. Imagine a, a house church with 25 or 30 people just kind of like some of our small groups, you know, people sitting in a Roman atrium and you've got a handful from that top two class. You've got their slaves. You've got some that are Gentile Greeks and who thinks that, who formerly thought everybody else was a barbarian. Yep. And you've got a Jew who thought, if if I associate with them, they're going to have a funeral. And they're trying to figure out how to get along. And Paul says, remember, Jesus has established a peace between you. And when y'all can sit down and love each other, that will tell the watching world, that Jesus really is the King, like that—that it, that itself, that itself will be the thing that will demonstrate that Jesus rules and He really has won the victory. Like Paul thinks this is that big of a deal for his audience. Now play that out in our culture. You've got a, you know, far left wing on this side of the room and a far right wing. You've got somebody uh, who's a former, let's say, a former Muslim and a former evangelical, an evangelical Christian. And they're all sitting together, and now they've found something in Jesus. You can imagine the tension, though, that would be in that room. And Paul says, but when y'all can get along, it will show the world that he came to preach peace to those who are far away and to those who were near. And we got to drop ourselves in that environment um, to understand and appreciate this passage. Um, as you've been studying it, one of the things we do here at Sermon Notes is just really interesting things that either may not make it into the sermon or may not get as much time as you want uh, to hit on just as you've been studying it. What, what's what been something you've just been like, man, this is amazing. I've just just camping out on this thought or this word or this idea. Anything come to mind?
1: Yeah, so much. One is what I think Paul brilliantly does that you really have to to slow down to be able to see is that he's talking to both groups here. Right. He, he's talking to the Jew and the Gentile. And so even when you get down to verse 17, it says, and he came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. So even this attitude of the Jews who thought previously, hey, we are the ones that are in. We are the ones that are God's chosen people. No, Christ brought the gospel message to them as well. And so this is just beautifully just written out for both groups of people for it to become truth and to change the way that they thought of other people, to change the way that they thought their position was with God. Like he is creating something entirely new here. Mm-hmm. And I and I love what you taught on with our, and just about that, that illustration you gave of what our small groups could look like. Like I, I really do believe that a strong testimony for the church would be that if a stranger just walked in that they would look around and just see all different types of people in one building doing one thing, giving glory to God, and saying, like, why are these people hanging out and getting along? Mm-hmm. Like, that message is meant to be just so powerful, and that shows off the glory of God, and that we have something different that the rest of the world doesn't have.
0: Mm-hmm. At the end here, as Paul, uh, he draws their attention to something which is really fascinating. It would be... Um, <laughs> I think a, a an ancient Jewish reader of this or hearer of this would would have some mind you know c- categories blown here. He says, um, "Hey, you're you're now being." formed into a household, God's household. Remember in Ephesus, there's a giant temple to Artemis. That is the big temple that everybody can see everywhere for miles around. There's temples all over Ephesus and the Jews have a temple definitely in mind, the one in Jerusalem. And Paul says, you know, God's actually creating a temple and it's not Artemis's and it's not even the one in Israel and all the, both the Greeks, the the Ephesians and the Jews are going, wait, what are you doing here, man? We've got our temples established. He goes, no, there's there's a new temple. It has a cornerstone." it's Jesus it has foundation stones the message of the apostles and prophets going out and look at the language of 21 in whom the whole building being fit together like the brick the bricks coming together is growing into a holy temple in the lord and I know we talked about this a few weeks ago with our worship in our uh, worship uh, series as we looked at our mission vision series but he says this is the temple we you guys and you guys and you guys all coming together. This is God's living, moving, breathing temple in the world, not Artemis's and not even the one in Jerusalem. This is the temple. When y'all get together and God's spirit dwells with you, this is where God resides. And for a Jewish a Jewish audience, they're going, no, 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 the temple is in Jerusalem. That's where God dwells. He was, no, let me remind you, it's here. And they're going, with the Gentiles too? Yeah. This is where God dwells. They couldn't even come near the temple because of their their status as Gentiles. And you go back up and see the dividing wall was broken down. They're invited in, and so Paul, as a missionary going out into this culture, for him, this is—I mean, this is as relevant, important, earth-shattering as it gets. And he has to drill this down for them. They have to understand this. What is maybe. We, we sometimes miss these implications, I think, in the gospel, but is that not as relevant today as it was, was so in the relevant. first century? I mean, it, seriously, it's so relevant for us today. And I just, as we discussed in our, in our small groups this week, if you have discipleship, our world is desperately searching for peace. Political leaders promise it every four years, we'll unite the country and we'll bring it. And Jesus goes, I'm the only one that can really do that. And Sermon listener, fellowship, congregant, that's relevant. This is a really big deal for us, and let's take it seriously. Let's let it become as relevant to us as I think it was to Paul. Um,
1: yeah, and and, and God, I'm so glad that you said that. One thing that I really hope uh, comes out, I really hope that people understand, and it's, it's something that I want to point out even way back in Genesis 12, 1 and 3, that I'm even including the, the first few words of... Um, verse four, where it says, and Abraham went. So basically he obeyed what God asked him to do. So this is not just something that magically happens, that we just say, hey, here's a theological topic that's great, and uh, Christ is doing this, he's he's breaking down the walls. No, like, people gave their lives for this Mm -hmm. to happen. Mm -hmm. People intentionally crossed cultural barriers in order to take the gospel. Mm -hmm. Paul was very intentional in the way that he lived his life. That he would intentionally go cross-culturally to places where there was no foundation for the church in mm-hmm. order for those who haven't heard to hear the gospel. And and so this is not just something that just magically happens. We agree with right, that idea. When right. We say, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, cool. Like yeah. We as a church have to work for it.
0: And unfortunately, some of church history would say... If it, the opposite happened. We, we didn't work for it. Um, just as we, as we close here, uh, it might be worth spending some time in your group, um, or just from personal reflection. I know I, when I come to passages like this, it's so easy for us to, to put ourselves in the position of, well, we're the near cause we're the church and the far off must be, you know, those other people out there. Um, it's, it's, it's worth reflection in your small group. And if you haven't done it in a while, let me encourage you to do this. Um, I am a Gentile. Yes. I, am an, I think I'm an Anglo-Saxon. I'm not exactly sure where my like lineage comes from. Um, I'm not a Jew. The gospel message had to break through to the Gentiles of which I am one. And verses 11 and 12 describe my state yes. until Christ. Yeah. And so uh, most of the people at our church are Gentiles and it's helpful for us to remember that what Jesus did provided access for me as a, as a white Anglo-Saxon living on the Ozark Mountain Plateau in Arkansas, Gentile. I can be a part of God's temple. Absolutely. And that's just a profound thing that we tend to miss because we can sometimes over-individualize these, these, these messages and these texts and see them from kind of a American church perspective. But just take a moment this this week as we study this passage, if you're listening to sermon notes or in your small group, and just reflect on the fact that as a Gentile, which most of our listeners are, you were now included. And as you're pointing out, that's been God's heart all along, from Genesis all the way to now. And so Jesus is culminating a plan that God wants to do, which is to bless the nations. And that's us. <laughs> you know, that's just, we sometimes miss that, but like, we're the nations. Yeah, um, and at some point in history, and it's something fascinating
1: that I think about, like, what is our true spiritual lineage, Like, as we trace it back, that at some point, Garland, as, as you were just talking about, that that somebody at some point in history said, hey, those people over there mm-hmm. speak a different language or a different culture are a different economic class, but they don't have the gospel. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make sacrifices to get it there. Mm-hmm. And then those people did mm-hmm. the same thing. And those people did the same thing. And it's the only reason, even why you're probably listening to this podcast right now, right, is because somebody in the past did that. Mm-hmm so you would be able to hear the gospel and be able to really hear this
0: message right here. It's really cool. And uh, we hope that this uh, brings some clarity. Um, And so as always, uh, we hope that this week in our small groups and our discipleship, that uh, this passage is super rich. Um, So I love Ephesians. We're just kind of letting it do the work. Um, And as always, thanks for listening to Sermon Notes. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.